Please be seated. Those of you who remember way back when we used the 1928 prayer book will remember that the seasons be, uh, of sort of the green time of year began with uh, Trinity Sunday, and, and we counted Sundays after Trinity. And now, as you know, uh, Pentecost really is the capstone of the season from Easter to then. And as you heard from uh, Bishop Andrew last Sunday, it mirrors the ancient Jewish festivals and practices from which uh, we draw our heritage. And so Trinity still exists, but it has become something of an appendage at the end of this long season of celebration. Of course, at my, my former parish, which was called Trinity, this was a, a festival day for us, and we would always end with a big uh, parish picnic, and it sort of was the unofficial end of the program year. It's also a, a day when we hear some of the most magnificent hymns in our uh, repertoire of hymns, hymnody, that is. Um, the very long uh, St. Patrick's Breastplate, which we opened with today, is, as a priest, one of my favorites. Priests love that song. <laughs> a lot of choirs don't like it so much, but I think it's growing on them. I don't know. Um, but it, it's, I love it because it, it, it just sort of brings into focus the great mystery of the Trinity, that thing that is from before all time, that exists now and will always exist, that is interwoven with our bodies and souls and minds and all those who have come before us and all those who will come after us. Um, for us priests, who uh, almost all of us have that sung at our ordinations, it brings up thoughts and questions about uh, just existential questions, questions about uh, ontology and not oncology, ontology. Uh, that ontological change which we speak about when the bishop lays hands on us and we remain the same person but yet become something different. And so it's that sense of awe and mystery, I think, that is, caught, that is captured so beautifully in that, in that song, which is taken from a poem that is attributed to St. Patrick himself. But these are all big ideas. Where do we encounter the Trinity in our daily lives? Well, all of our collects or prayers that we say in the context of the prayer book, maybe not the prayers that you say on your own, uh, but all of these formal prayers that we use are all addressed to one person of the Trinity, either the Father or the Son or the Holy Spirit. And at the conclusion of that prayer, naturally, the other two persons of the Trinity are mentioned. And there are formulas for that, which I won't get into, that minutia. But so there's one way that every time we pray, we mention the Trinity, even if we don't necessarily think about the Trinity. Every time we say the Nicene Creed on Sunday, we talk about what we believe God is, who we believe God is. And, of course, this didn't happen overnight. The Nicene Creed took well over 300 years to formulate and to come and to agree upon. And this was the time before the schism of East and West, and so the entire church agreed upon this formulation. Of course, there's a, that tricky 
wicket of uh, the filioque clause that the, the Orthodox don't use and we do use. Uh, but if you want to know more about that, I'll talk to you at coffee hour. Um, but this, this reading and reciting of the Nicene Creed every time we come together for uh, Eucharistic worship is an important look at the Trinity. Now, most of it, the vast portion of it in the middle is about the person of Jesus Christ. And this was an important uh, development because at the time of the early church, there were many, many disagreements about just exactly who and what Jesus was, why he was here. And so this is where the church came down and said, look, this is what we believe about Jesus Christ. He was perfectly man and perfectly God. It's a mystery that we will never understand fully, but this is, the tr- this is truth. And so another way in which we encounter the Trinity is through our Eucharistic worship. Each Sunday or on Wednesdays, if you come to that service at, at uh, 10 o'clock, or when I go to the promenade and uh, every other Tuesday and have my uh, loyal band of about 15 people over there in a little living room sit- setting. And you know, the, the altar is a drop front desk that they pull out for me. And so in that simple setting, um, we encounter the Trinity. In this glorious setting of this church, we encounter the Trinity. And when the, the sacrifice of the Mass or the Holy Eucharist or the communion or whatever you want to call it, when it is offered, it is offered to God the Father. We talk a lot about Jesus in the context of the liturgy, but it is addressed to God the Father. Jesus Christ in the Eucharist is both priest and victim, as we sing in one of our hymns. So the human priest, in this case myself, stands there at the altar in the place of Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit offers this sacrifice and this simultaneously sacrifice and banquet up to God the Father on behalf of the people. And so if you see in art some older depictions of what actually happens when you celebrate Mass, it's, I think, very very illustrative because you'll see, uh, I've seen some that have one panel that says, what you see, and there's a priest and a couple of acolytes and some people, and then the other picture is what really happens. And so you'll see, for example, a tiny little altar down at the bottom of the picture and a tiny little priest. Because honestly, the personality of the priest in that moment does not matter. It's why we wear Eucharistic vestments and not um, street clothes, why we don't wear jewelry. Um, it is why, or one of the reasons why initially that the priest celebrated facing east, so his facial expressions or gestures were not distracting to the people, that he just sort of blended into the furniture, if you will. But so there's that little priest, and rising above in greater, greater uh, aspect, you see God the Father looking down, and in front of God the Father and a little below, you see Jesus Christ looking down, and below that, the Holy Spirit and the form of a dove sort of uh, pointing down towards the altar, and the power and grace of God flows down. And on that altar, through the Holy Spirit and the words of the prayers of the priest, Jesus Christ is made present for the people, for God, for the people, and God the Father. And this is the command that Jesus gave to us to do this again and again until he comes. And so while we, we uh, spend a lot of time in the 
sort of canon of the Mass, talking about Jesus and what he did and what he said, we have to bear in mind that while we are partaking of this sacrament or while it is being celebrated in front of you, we are invoking none other than the, in Trinity, than the Trinity. All three persons of the Trinity are here with us, present with us, and it is simultaneously uh, magnificent, beautiful, um, a little frightening, honestly, uh, if you're a priest, to have that responsibility. And so this understanding of the Godhead is the best that we can do, I think, in our mortal, uh, time-bound human lives. We have a way to begin to understand immortal, eternal God, godliness. That beautiful reading we got today from Proverbs sort of gives us a glimpse of that. And while the Trinity is never specifically mentioned in Scripture, you can see all throughout references to all three persons from the Old Testament going all the way through to the New. And in fact, Jesus today, in the reading from John, says that I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will speak not on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will give all that is mine to you, and all that is mine is the Father's. So you can see this eternal, this eternal dance, if you will, and the, the big Greek seminary word for that is called perichoresis. And uh, you can see sort of a diagram of that, if you want, on page 10 of your, um, of your bulletin today. And this is sometimes in a shield shape, it's sometimes in a circle, but you can just sort of follow it around, it, follow the names of the three persons of the Trinity all around in a circle. And of course, this is in Latin, uh, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father, and so on and so on. But the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. And so it's this e eternally spinning, dancing wheel of, of creative energy, of love, and of grace. And remember those words from, uh, from the Old Testament reading today at the very end, which I thought were so poignant and so beautiful that uh, the Holy Spirit says, um, I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. So on this Trinity Sunday, this, it's a big concept for, for a, a, just a short sermon and a short service. It's something people have written volumes and volumes about. But we can rejoice that God in all three persons rejoices in us. We are his creation. We are his beloved. And that this, the, the power of the Trinity that we bind unto ourselves, as we sang in our hymn, we bind unto ourselves through the sacrament of baptism and through participating in the life of God's church, that that mighty trinity is there to guide us, to lead us into all truth, if only we will listen, to be there with us through the good times and the bad. And so let us give thanks on this day for the gift of God's self to us in all of its forms, 
His form of the Father, the form of the Son, the form of the Holy Spirit, all three of which were present at the time of creation, all three of which exist now and always, and all three of which love and delight in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.